Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Ephesians. Good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles or the ESV journals that we're using, I would encourage you to uh, open to Ephesians chapter 4. It's going to be a great, uh, great day here as we continue uh, in our series. We've talked about the importance over the last uh, months of identity, and uh, as we've dove into the series here, the Apostle Paul, as he writes to these believers in Ephesus, it, it, it's a chaotic group of people, if you will. Uh, the Temple of Diana, the Temple of Artemis, uh, so much debauchery, alcoholism, so much uh, uh, sexual immorality has taken place here in this area, and Paul wants these people that have come to faith to know who they truly are in Christ and what their true identity in Jesus is all about. And so we've been diving into the importance of knowing who we are in Christ, being strong uh, in our foundation in Christ, okay? So we, we move to chapter 4, and, and Paul begins to explain how we're to, uh, how we're to live out our faith, how we're to walk now as a new people in Christ, so we've been covering that. I've spent, this will be the fifth week that we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And JB, I could stay here uh, for, for, for months, if you will. It's such a powerful, powerful chapter. But here, here, here was kind of the, uh, the premise that Paul makes right out of the gate. He goes, I want you to walk. Walk is his favorite metaphor. I want you to live. I want you to conduct yourself in such a way that it reflects that you really, truly belong to Jesus. If we claim that we've come to faith in Christ, if we claim it, then the whole emphasis that Paul lays out is we should walk in a way that reflects that we are children of God. And so as we look at the gospel where God loves, God gives, Jesus comes, uh, the sacrificial lamb of God, he dies a criminal's death, he's resurrected from the dead, and he woos us into relationship with him, saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul goes, hey, if you really belong to Christ, if you've really been saved, if you've really experienced conversion, I want you to, to walk now in a manner worthy of the gospel. You've been given new life, and you belong to God. So we finished last week with verse 24, and if you've got your Bible open, you can see this verse. Uh, but where he says, I want you to put on the new self, the new self which is a, re a result of coming to faith in Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to put on the new self which is in the likeness of God. Now, again, sin separated, but Jesus reinstated that incredible gift uh, of bringing us back to God. And he goes, I want you to put on the new self of who you really are. It's created in the likeness of God, and he says it's in righteousness, it's in holiness, and it's in the truth. So we emphasized again last week, talking about it is a choice that we have to make. Am I going to take off the old? Am I going to lay aside the sin-driven Tim? Am I, I going to lay aside the flesh patterns that I have established over the years? And many of you walk in here today. Many of you walk in here today, and you're still battling and stuck in sin patterns. And you go, hey, hey I, I know God, but if we truly know God, there will be indicators and reflections of our life, if you will, that indicate that the Spirit of God is inside of us. And he goes, hey, if you're, if you're going to really lay aside the old you, 
You're going to have to renew your minds in the word. You're going to have to be saturated in truth. God wants to illuminate your mind. You've got to renew your minds. And, and that's a choice that we make every day. Hey, I want you to put on uh, the new. I, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to have total freedom. I want you to walk righteous. I want you to walk holy. I want you to walk pure. And I can tell you, that should be the ambition of every born-again believer. We should desire to walk holy and righteous in the truth and glorify God in all that we do. Now, picking up verse 25, he says, therefore, lay aside all falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And then he says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must work, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he'll have something to share with others. He goes, he goes on to say, let no unwholesome word or talk proceed forth from your mouth but only such a, a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, let all this slanderous stuff be put away, all this malice that goes with it, let it be put away. And then he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. Now, here's where I want to go today. I want you to pay attention to and notice that here in this, this last part of Ephesians 4, there's many contrast statements that Paul makes. Here's the first one. Speaking falsehood versus speaking the truth. Speaking falsehood versus speaking truth. I can tell you that the old Tim, the self Tim, the sin-driven Tim, he was all about falsehood. The old Tim would make a statements, if you will, that would elevate him, uh, promote him, that would put other people in a negative light, the old Tim. The, the old Tim was all about self-promotion and self-protection. But the new me of who I am in Christ will speak the truth even if it makes me look bad. I want you to think about that. When you think about, when you think about falsehood, the other word is lying. And it means to mislead. It means to deceive. And there's so much falsehood in our culture today. There's so many people that speak falsehood. The Greek word that Paul uses here is the word pseudo. And the word pseudo is another name other than the real name. It's a false name. And we live in a culture today that is saturated with lies, saturated with falsehood. So when a person is speaking, if you will, falsehood, Sometimes it's not just the blatant lie. It's not when the color is red and you go, well, that's blue. What ends up happening is it's fragmenting. It's partial disclosure. It's withholding. It's silence when we should speak forth. And there's so many forms of lying. It means to withhold the truth and not speak it, or it means to add a few flavors to it that contaminate it. And we live in a culture of lies. And we live in a culture that mistreats the truth. 
We do. We mistreat the truth. We don't share the truth in love. And Paul goes, you've got to put that aside. That is an indicator of a lost man. That is an indicator of a person that does not know the Lord. And you start to think about this, the forms of lying that we see. Here's a big form of lying in our culture. Uh, People use flattery, which is a form of lying. Flattery is when you would say something to somebody's face to kind of butter them up that you would never say behind their back and you don't even mean it. Gossip is when you would say something behind their back to stab them, but you would dare not ever say it to their face. That's a form of falsehood. That's a form of lying. We were playing around this week, Dustin and I, uh, just, just cutting up about some stuff. But I was like, you know, one of the big forms of lying is embellishing a story. It's lying. It's such a lie. Uh, exaggerating a story is lying. As I said, when you know something and God is saying you need to speak up right here and you remain silent, that's a form of falsehood. And lying is associated, if you study scripture, with some of the most serious sins, if you will. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, the devil has always hated the truth. It goes on to say there's no truth in him. When he lies, he is consistent with his character. He is a liar, and he is the father of lies. Satan drives his agenda through lying. And when you start to listen to people tell stories and they fragment their disclosure again and they give you partial information, they're lying. And it destroys relationship. It destroys trust. I was talking to a person recently and they said, not all liars are addicts, but all addicts are liars. And when you're living a life of addiction, you're quick to lie, you're quick to cover, you're quick to hide. And why does he spend so much emphasis right out of the gate by saying, lay aside all lying? If you go back and study human history, the first two people that were on the planet got lied to and they bought the lie. When Satan looks at them and says, hey, God's holding out. If you eat off the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're going to become like God. He lied and they bought the lie. And as a result of buying the lie, then God starts to speak to them, and they lie to God. They deflect. They blame. They shift focus. So as far back as we go in human history, there's been lying. When God allows the early church to start, he uses a guy that had just lied. Peter has walked with Jesus. Peter claims that, oh, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. But on that eve before Jesus' crucifixion, when they looked at Peter and said, you're one of his followers, he lied and said, I don't know him. God restores him. He preaches at Pentecost. The early church is birthed. And then after the church is birthed, you read Acts chapter 5. People said, man, we're going all in. We're selling out. Man, we're giving everything to the Lord. And a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. They had sold a piece of property, got more money for it than they thought they were going to get. They come and said, hey, man, here it is. And Peter goes, are you giving all that you got? They're like, yes, and they lied. They held back, and both of them died on the spot. You see, lying is associated with the most serious of all sins in Scripture. And when we lie, it is an indicator that we're not walking in the spirit, that we're allowing Satan to still have a stronghold 
on our life. That's the reason we have to speak the truth in love. And when you study it, I can promise you this. Telling the truth is a defining characteristic of a saved man. Telling the truth is one of the marks of maturation that we're truly walking with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, where are you at? Do you speak the truth in love? Because it is so easy to withhold and it is so easy to partially disclose. It is so easy for us to try to mislead a person. But when you jack something up, just own it. And there's so many people that live in defeat. Marriages are being crippled. Relationships are going down the, the, the drains today because of these different forms of lie. And then he says another contrast. He, he contrasts sinful anger versus spiritual anger. This is a huge one right here. And I can tell you the old Tim would use anger as a tool of intimidation and manipulation. And, and the old Tim, when he was walking in the flesh, he would leverage anger at times to get what he wanted. But the new me of who I am in Christ, God starts to crucify that anger inside of me. He goes, hey, it's cool to be angry, righteous anger, but do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the, 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 the enemy, do not give the devil an opportunity. And, and I can tell you something, righteous anger is such a rare thing that we would ever witness. We don't see too many people walking in righteous uh, anger, if you will. And, and, and you add D to the front of the word anger, and that's exactly what you get. You get danger. And so many people, Dean, are walking just filled and flooded with anger. It suppresses the Holy Spirit because when you're angry, it's almost impossible to walk in self-control. And I think there's, I think that it, it, it's just known in our culture today where people think, well, it's okay for me to be mad. Where do you read that? It's okay to be angry about the things that really hurt the heart of God, but a lot of times our anger is all about we feel like we've been disappointed. We feel like we've been embarrassed. We feel like our character has been slandered. And, and, and so we start to get mad and we rip people and we dog people and we criticize and condemn other people. And he goes, hey, hey, put that aside. Don't, don't live like that anymore. That, 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 that's not reflecting the holiness and the righteousness and the glory of God. Now, I want you to think about it. Anger, uh, I, I do believe anger is a healthy emotion because we've been created in the image of God. When you study scripture, the word anger appears just in the Old Testament 455 times. 375 of those times is all about God's anger. We read scripture like God is angry with the wicked. God is holy and he feels anger toward uh, evil. And so anger is a gift from God, but it should be fueled and motivated when it's those things that quench the spirit and hurt the heart of God. But like I said before, a righteous anger is a rare thing in our society. And anger is one of the most divisive and destructive forces on the planet. And if we've seen anything in 2020, we've seen such a heightened uh, awareness, if you will, in our culture, in our world of just people mad and angry. 
I've seen more fighting, more feuding, more degrading comments. I've seen more division and dissension than, than I've ever seen in my life during this year. I was sharing with Ronnie, my friend, who's a Christian counselor. I was like, and then you get to Thanksgiving and you get to Christmas and all of a sudden the dysfunction inside of families is almost heightened at a different level as well. We're supposed to be sitting around the table giving thanks and we're living in turmoil and there's all this tension. Man, and you just see so much anger. And Paul writes to these believers going, hey, lay that aside. Lay that aside. Some of the things I was writing down was like anger is the fuel that ignites conflict. What are you mad at today? Anger will inflict some of the deepest wounds you'll ever deal with. You start to see how some kids are raised and just the violence and the anger of whether it's the mom or the dad. And it's like, man, just that anger just cuts and slices and it destroys so much in our society and it destroys lives. Anger is a poison that spreads and will... It will contaminate a lot of other people in the process. That's the reason he says, let no root of bitterness spring up amongst you. Wherefore, by it, many are going to be defiled. He goes, lay that aside. Please lay that aside. Be clothed in Christ. Look at what's happened over the last year. Anger will turn a crowd into a mob like that. Violence, rioting, chaos. Anger will destroy marriages. When you deal with anger personally in your own journey, I've seen so many people that are flooded with anger that they will run quick to alcohol and drugs to sedate and medicate, and it becomes nothing more than just more fuel for their frustration of life. Why does it happen? Because we're trying to get our needs met apart from Christ. We're refusing to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. I think this is one of the most practical chapters and pieces of Scripture for the believer. Ephesians chapter 4, anger will crush the spirit of a child. Anger will isolate you from everybody around you. No one enjoys being around an angry person, not even the anger. The the, the, the angry person himself doesn't enjoy being around himself. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, anger is the anesthetic of the mind. Lisa Turker said, unresolved pain triggers unrestrained chaos. And when you are carrying around unresolved pain and there's pain in your narrative, you can't sweep it under the rug. You you can't suppress it. Eventually, it's going to come back up. And if you've been violated and beaten down, If you've been lied to over the years, what will end up happening is this. I promise you, if you say, we're just going to ignore that and sweep it under the rug, it's major red flags. That stuff is going to come back, and Satan is going to use it. It has to be brought to the foot of the cross. It's got to be dealt with. And I, I, I encourage you today, there's so many people that are carrying a portfolio of pain, baggage of pain that has been a part of their narrative for years. 
And then all of a sudden something happens and they, they explode. Anger wastes so much energy. And a lot of times we don't even know what we're mad about. We, we've gotten so far down the road that what frustrated us is not even the issue anymore. We're, we're just fixated on being angry. And it's a sad place to be. Righteous anger will motivate us to take constructive action. I was reading again this week, even thinking about righteous anger. And if you go back to Hallow's Eve 1517, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg door, the reason he did that is because the Catholic Church was so contaminated. And Pope Leo X, what he was doing with all of these ordinances and stuff, John, you know, he looked at that and he goes, that, that's wrong. You've got all this penance stuff and you're trying to use all these things to guilt trip people into making money. And he nails his 95 thesis saying, we've got to stop it. And the Reformation is birthed as a result of righteous anger. There is legitimate Anger at times that needs to be exercised in a healthy way. But if it is, it will be for the redemptive uh, purposes of God and for the glory of God. And so do you struggle with anger today? Are you, are you saturated with anger in your heart? Are you mad today? Because if we come to faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit starts to do a working us, he, he would say, hey, don't, don't nurse that any longer. Don't nurse that wound. Don't hold that grudge because bitterness will always do more to the vessel in which it is stored than it will to the object on which it's being poured. You're angry. You're hurt. And when you carry that bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment around, it is actually killing you. And Butch, in recovery, man, with our ministry here, we deal with so many people that have carried the wounds of yesterday and the pain of yesterday, and to try to sedate their pain, they end up, man, becoming so, so addicted to alcohol, to drugs and different things. He says, do not give the devil an opportunity. Let me give you a teaching here that I think is absolutely crucial. When he uses the phrase, be angry but do not sin, do not allow the sun to go down on your anger, one of the the definitions of the word be angry means literally this. Hey, don't go to bed living in denial. That's the phrase. Be angry. And I heard teaching when I was first saved that said, hey, man, if you've got conflict and if you've got tension, you better try to solve it before you go to sleep at night. And I can tell you, we tried that. I tried that. I mean, Barb and I just celebrated 30 years of marriage. This week, but I remember early on going, we've got to deal with this tonight. And I would be tired, and she would be tired, and we would both be frustrated. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, we're going to deal with this before we go to sleep. And I would create more hell than we already had. And what the Lord was saying is, don't, don't, don't go to sleep living in denial. Look at her and say, hey, you, you know we got some tension but maybe tomorrow we'll, we'll have cooler heads and maybe we can talk about it then. But if we talk about it right now, it's going to be a train wreck. And I created some train wrecks at times because I'm like, no, nah, man, we're going to deal with this tonight. So one of the best things to do is try to find that peaceful time to talk it out. Let me give you some tips, please. Write this down. Some tips on seeking restoration and healing. I mean, I think we need some tips. And here's some things I've learned over the years. I will tell you this. Name calling muddies the water. 
as soon as you say you're an idiot or you're a jerk or whatever cool non-church adjective you throw out there at times, you ain't moving toward healing. You're not moving toward having healthy communication when you start to name call. Name calling will destroy. Here's the second one. Eliminate using words like never and always. Because as soon as you say, you never pick up your underwear. Well, that's not true. He might have done it twice. But anytime you start to use extreme statements, it muddies the water. Anytime you say, you always act this way, and you're already using that you statement of, of attack again, you, you want to screw up some relationships? You, 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 you name call. Use always and never kind of statements and see where that gets you. I promise you, it doesn't work. Refuse, a third thing, refuse to be an archaeologist, meaning stop digging up everything that ever happened in the past. I mean, I think a lot of times when people start to fight, they don't fight fair. They dig up stuff. Could you imagine 30 years into it if she started breaking out the shovel and digging up everything that has ever been jacked up? I'd be like, I don't even remember that. But so many people fight that way, Dean. They're not looking for restoration. They're looking to be right, and they're looking to stay in a position of power. You, you, can't, you can't seek healing that way. Here's another one. Sarcasm hinders healing. The word sarcasm means to cut the flesh. So when we make sarcastic statements, remember, again, Barb looking at me saying, just because it's funny to you don't mean it's funny. And Kevin, man, growing up in a locker room and being around the, the athletic world, I mean, man, we used to cut and stab and jab, and it was almost like sarcasm was used to say, I love you, which is twisted. JB, you coming out of the NFL locker room, you know how jacked up that is. We would dog each other. But you start doing that in a relationship, man, that doesn't provide healing. Here's another one. Blaming statements. Oh, blaming statements destroy relationship. Why? Why is that? I want you to listen to me loud and clear. Again, I use this as a counseling teaching tool, and it's so simple, but I promise you it works. Anytime you're in conflict, okay, the best thing you can do is to identify your issues, to identify what belongs to you. But I see how people handle conflict. And we live in a culture, even church culture, where people are quick to pick up a window, look out the window, and start to blame everybody else for being jacked up. As soon as you do that, there's not going to be any forward progress of healing. If you can pick up the mirror and look in the mirror and go, here's where I'm jacked up. Here's what I've done. Here's how I've contributed to the mess. You've got a chance to do it right. And I would encourage you as you walk through the day. I mean, we see, we see windows and we see mirrors all around us. But I encourage you, live life looking in the mirror going, I got to clean me up. Here, here's another one. Listen, God's given us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Please try to let the other person talk without interrupting them. Ronnie, as you do counseling with people, I know these are things that you coach people and coach people with. But when we... When we violate these, there's no healing. So here's two of the contrasts. I'm going to start moving toward a wrap. But here's what I want you to hear. Hey, he says, do, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Instead of lying and fragmenting 
and, and, and partially disclosing, speak the truth in love. And then he says, hey, would you put away that unhealthy, flesh-driven anger? And, and would you have kind of a righteous anger? Let the Holy Spirit drive what you're doing. Then he says, instead of stealing and freeloading and loafing, get a job. Do something where you can contribute to the whole. Quit living as if everybody else owes you something. That's the emphasis he's making here. Stop stealing. Stop taking checks and money and, and misusing and mistreating people. That, that's not of God. Get a, get, a, get a job. Work with your hands. Do something to make a healthy contribution. And then he says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. What's the, what's the emphasis? Hey, edify and build up other people. When you have an opportunity to speak, build up other people. Because the old self inside of us, we love to tell others, hey, Blake, you're not going to believe what Drew did. And man, we start to, we, we, we go to another person, we create these triangles, we, we start doing triangulating uh, relationships, and so instead of me coming to you with an issue that I've got with you, I'm going to run over here, and I'm going to start just to tell him how jacked up you are, but then I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spiritualize it by saying, hey man, you got any counsel for me? I didn't go to him for counseling. I went to him to dog you, to bury you. And he goes, stop doing that. Stop dogging everybody else. If person A's got a, a problem with person B and you start vomiting on C, D, and E and your whole purpose by in doing it is just the gossip and slander, Paul goes, y'all stop that. You see how important this chapter is? If we could get this one right here, it's like, why don't you speak words that edify? Why don't you speak words of healing? Even if you're going to correct, do it for the purpose of seeing the person free. Put on Christ. So I got two acrostics for you. Think before you talk and show some class. Think. And I tell you, when I practice this one right here and actually use it, it works. But when I violate it, I go, I just jacked that up. Ugh. I can tell you with my acrostic on think is what I'm sharing truthful, helpful, inspiring, is it necessary, and kind. Listen to me. I can cross oftentimes that bridge of truth. Oh, no, what I'm saying right now is the truth. But then I get to the H. What, did what you just shared, was it helpful? No, I was mad. I was angry. It was out of rage. If you can cross the H bridge, you, you, you can keep moving like, no, I'm, I'm sharing the truth, but it really is helpful. We care enough about the relationship that, Julie, relationships are not disposable. This is helpful. Then I get to the I. Was it inspiring? Was it really driven by God? Yeah, I, I can share this. This is truth being spoken in love. It's inspiring. Was it, necess was it necessary? Man, if I can get to that one right there, I go, it, it is necessary. And can I speak it in a kind way? If, if we would just think before we talk, I promise you this is as simple as it gets, but we would go, all right, that helps me. And then I was writing this one out this week. Uh, Rick, show some class, brother. Meaning, how are you going to show some class? 
Jeff, this is so huge. C, calm down. Shh. Calm down. Calm down. I had a brother tell me years ago, hey, man, sometimes when you get worked up and you're mad, angry, upset about something, count to 10. But based on how you're wired, just go ahead and count to 100. And I was like, okay, calm down. Show some class. L, lower your tone. People don't respond to yelling very well. And one of the things I came to realize is truth doesn't have to be yelled. Because if I stay here, I stand here and look at you and go, two plus two is four. That's, that's true. But if I go, two plus two is four. You don't have to yell truth. You can actually lower the tone. Uh, the, the A, ask meaningful questions to the other person. Ask caring questions. When you sit down and you think, well, we're about to have this talk, and all you do is unload your frustration, stop. Ask. Hey, what do you think is some of the issues? What do you think is some of the tension? What, what, what do you think is called some of the, the conflict that we're going through? And if you will just ask, hey, what's frustrating you right now? The yes. Then share your heart and thoughts in a loving way. Okay, here, here, I'm going to share my heart with you. Okay, great. But the last S, and I think people just absolutely, they ignore these, this kind of thinking, but they never get to the last S. What is the last S? Let's seek a solution. Let's collaborate. And if we can't come up with a solution, maybe we can go sit down with somebody else that will help us. John, this is practical stuff right here, brother. This is practical. He goes, so I, I want you to speak edifying words, encouraging words. I want you to build up others. Now, there's going to be times where you have to speak correction. But he goes, do me a favor and, and put aside all that slanderous malice. Uh, put, that, put that stuff aside. Because that doesn't reflect God. You're quenching the Holy Spirit when you do it. And, and that's how he ends. He goes, hey, do me a favor. Put aside all bitterness, all that stuff. And then he's got, hey, be kind, be compassionate, be considerate, and be forgiving. Why, why don't you walk in that? And the old self, the old self would get bitter. The old Tim would be malicious. If somebody attacked him or hurt him or wronged him, he, he would want to attack back. He would want to fight back. But I promise you this. We claim that we want to walk with Jesus. And we claim that we're identifying with the Galatians 2.20 mindset where I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that lives, but it's now Christ that lives in me. And Todd, so many of us say, Yes, I'm living the crucified life, but we get mad when God uses people to nail our butts to the cross. It's impossible to live the crucified life if God doesn't allow other people at times to drive some spikes into our hands and our feet. And it's like, okay, God, instead of getting mad at that person, they're in process as well. Lord, you're still crucifying a lot of my flesh off of me right now. 
And God, I need grace as much as anybody else needs grace. And, and Lord, I need to confess that I'm jacked up as much as anybody else will ever need to confess that they're jacked up. I need to confess, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Because when I look in the mirror, it's like, hey, you, you need grace, don't you? And I'm like, yes, I need plenty of grace. But we're so quick to attack and belittle and slander. And he goes, stop. And, and when the Lord turns his searchlight on and the light of Christ to shine down on our lives, he, he, he exposes and he goes, let, let me clean you up. So instead of walking through life, always blaming others, Miss Barbara, we walk through life and we go, how can I love my neighbor for the glory of God? How can I extend compassion to my neighbor? And offering compassion and forgiveness, you go, well, they don't deserve it. So you do. You deserve forgiveness. If I got what I deserved, I would already be dead. If I got what I deserved, I would spend eternity in flames. Hey, I'm not saying you trust, that's a different thing. I'm not saying you trust them, but forgiveness is a vertical issue. Lord, I give that to you. My question is, how, how are we doing at this? How are we doing? Do we look and live and function more? like we're lost or do we really live like we're saved i want you to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel i want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that god has placed on your life i mean i have to look at it and go am i walking like i belong to the world or am i walking like i belong to jesus i mean when we get to ephesians 5 he's like imitate god you belong to him. Imitate God in everything that you do. Imitate God. And if there's ever a time in human history where the redeemed of the Lord and the church of the risen Christ, the body of believers, needed to be reflecting the characteristics that only the Holy Spirit can be, be bringing about in our lives, it's now. Man, we need to reflect this stuff right now. We need to be so filled and saturated with the Lord. I'll share this with you in closing. If a person comes to you and begins to criticize and slander and condemn another person in this body, stop them. Pray with them. Stop. I'm going to pray with you. And then look at them and say, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to give you seven days to set up a meeting with that person. And if you don't do it, I will. You hear me? This is a restoration community here. This is a place of healing and finding hope in Emmanuel. But I think oftentimes a form 
of falsehood is that we stay silent, we listen to slander and gossip instead of saying, stop, stop, I know you're hurt. We're going to pray. But you got one week to sit down with this person. And I'm going to circle back with you. And if you haven't set up a meeting, I'm going to set it up, okay? Because relationships are not disposable. Relationships are valuable. And, and most of us are afraid of conflict. And so instead of dealing with it, we dispose and we go our own way. We don't experience any healing in the process. And then what we do, Ronnie, you've seen it a thousand times. We flush that one down the drain. We go over here and we recycle again, carrying all those flesh patterns. All of a sudden, uh, this relationship, this new one, eventually is going to hit all these brick walls because you've got all this baggage from both people. And then we flush that one down, and then we go find another one. And people just recycle, and then eventually they're dead. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.